Expedition 44 here again with Matt and Ryan. We are looking at the book of Job and today we're going to take a closer look at the speeches in the book of Job. Now, I need to preface this by saying the book of Job is really different than other Old Testament and even New Testament works because usually, particularly in the Old Testament, scholars would believe that things were passed on by oral tradition, maybe scribes were writing them, but this process might go on for a couple years or a couple hundred years in some cases, and at some point there's a completion where they became books. Yep. The book of Job appears to be exactly the opposite of that, and I might even argue that it's very well might be the only real book in the Old Testament in terms that it was written from the beginning as a book. And I say that because of the literary genre of the writings. You wouldn't come together and necessarily think that these were just tales that were recorded. They're written really, really well. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, so we look at Job as inspired, authoritative, but also very um, literary. Yeah. It's, it's intense Hebrew poetry. Yeah, in fact, Tennyson called it the greatest poem ever written. And it's often gotten kind of accolades for also having these speeches, which we're talking about today, as called some of the greatest prose sections. And so, naturally, scholars would say you can't just sit down and record those things, similar to the way the rest of the Bible was written. They were, they were worked through in more of a literary construct yeah. sense. Mm -hmm. So, when you think of it this way, you read it as if you're reading, I don't want to say a novel, but they're very carefully crafted. Yeah. And so we read it that way and they bring out specific things for a specific reason, but they're coming from the form of somebody seeing this. Now, were they actually said exactly like this? In fact, you might even question, did these conversations with Job's friends actually happen exactly the way that this points out? Yeah. Um, we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> no. And so... There's, there's some writings later on uh, in the Apocrypha and things like that that use the same names of the book. So I would, I would tend to say that the storyline, I take a more real perspective on it. But again, we just don't really know what that looks like exactly. So let's break this down, Matt, and just kind of go through. We're going we're gonna to cover a lot of chapters here. What, yeah. what, what's the range that we're kind of um, looking at? So basically, chapter 4 through 27, and yeah. even beyond if we get into his fourth friend, the the younger guy. Yeah. Who, yeah. And, and then after these speeches, there's kind of one chapter in there where it returns to the narrator and it's in the form of a hymn, which is really kind of cool. Yeah. But, uh, but it talks about that and the narrator kind of comes back and sets things on course a little bit, but mm -hmm. we're primarily going to focus on this first part of dialogue. Yeah, so 27. So we got three cycles of speeches here. So Job has three friends, um, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. Um, and a lot of the reasons why some people put this book written during the Second Temple is they are kind of reflections of Hellenistic philosophy. Yeah. Um, so it could be kind of a also a I don't know, a play on against the yeah. philosophies of that that day during um, when the Greeks were kind of taking over the world. Yeah, <laughs> so. and, I, and I don't take this view, but a lot of people feel like that this was a penned work much earlier, and then it was destroyed when the temple was destroyed, yeah. and it was kind of reworked to kind of have that Hellenistic mindset mm -hmm. to it. All right, so yeah, so we have basically one of Job's friends making a speech, Job responding, the next friend, then Job, then the third friend, and Job, and it goes through that for three cycles. So Eliphaz comes initially and tells Job, hey, trust your piety, the retribution principle will hold. Basically, you've sin because of the retribution principle is... And what does that mean? If you're righteous, you're going to get blessings. Yeah. So you're suffering, so you must not be righteous. Yeah. And in the Old Testament, yeah. that seemed to hold true. Mm -hmm. So 
it kind of starts as a pretty valid argument. Yeah, Job responds, um, the extent of my, my misery here justifies my outcry against God. He's like, he said, God has targeted me, I'm blameless, basically. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's <laughs> seen his righteousness. And before this, we kind of hear, you know, the narrator kind of says that God affirms his righteousness mm-hmm. at the beginning of the book, but Job doesn't necessarily know that, so yeah. he's trying to figure it out. Yeah, so the next friend, Bildad, says, how dare you suggest that God perverts justice? Trust the retribution principle again. Very similar. So, yeah. yeah, and Job says, "I basically I have nothing to live for. God isn't just." He's like, "I wish that God would just let me die." Yeah, yeah. And it's important also to note that these are the wise men of the time. Mm-hmm. In fact, they actually might be wise men, pretty similar to the way that we interpret the wise men that come to visit yeah. Jesus. When you when you do that study, you kind of go all the way back to Daniel and capti- the captivity, yeah. and you say that's what we're referred to as wise men, and there's similar words to go here. So it's important to note that the book is reflecting on these figures as kind of the wisest yeah. men of the time. Yeah, so then the third friend comes in so far, and he says basically give up and repent. Um, you know you've sinned, so if you repent, things will go well for you. And Job basically responds, show me evidence I did anything wrong. Yeah. So they're all hinging on kind of this retribution principle. Why do they hinge that way? Because that was their entire mindset. Yeah. Was And they had evidence of it. I mean, Job was evidence of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So when we get into second cycle, which is chapter 15 to 21, we kind of have another, another round here. Elphaz basically goes, stop railing against your circumstances. Um, you basically are sharing in the corruption of all humanity. We're all corrupt. <laughs> and this this gets very real life. And that this uh-huh. starts out, cycle one is pretty cordial, it seems uh-huh. like. I mean, it, you get the idea that they're all sipping coffee, coffee sitting yeah. around in a circle, and it's very yeah. good. But then cycle two kind of starts to get a little yeah. ugly. Yeah, the fire gets turned up a little bit. Yeah, yeah so Job says, uh, as for me, I'm determined to stay the course of my righteousness. Um, I'm looking forward to death, basically. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's one that, I mean, he believes that he's righteous through and through. Mm-hmm. And at this point, we don't know how many years have gone by. When you read the Testament yeah. of Job, which is an apocryphal source, it says that this lasted around 38 years. And so a lot of times when we're reading this, we get the idea that this is all really fast. Yeah, but it, it probably wasn't. This is probably over the course of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so when we get to Bildad, the second guy, he basically tells Job, you don't know God. Yeah. So, pretty bold. Yeah. And Job says, I've done nothing yet. God, in his inexplicable anger, has made a mess of my life. Those are some harsh words. So we're starting to see Job, who started out very even keel and righteous, uh-huh. to kind of start to have some problems with God, and mm-hmm. we hear that in his speech. Yeah, and so then so far, he's like, what you're saying against God has offended me. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what I said. You're being offensive to us and to God by the way you're talking. And what's interesting about that is is he's not in cycle three. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, he must walk away at this point. Yeah, and we, we think of that all the time, that like, you know, people get offended and we think that wise people don't talk that way, but it looks like this is a situation where he's offended and he just shakes the dust from his sandal, so to speak, and says, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done with you, Job, and walks away. So Job responds, yeah, um, God doesn't consistently punish the wicked, so why should we think that he consistently protects and prospers the righteous? Yeah, yeah. Right. So then we get to cycle three. Um, but we said there's only uh, two discourses here instead of three because Zophar walks away. Uh, so Eliphaz says basically your best course of action is to start listening to us and stop arguing because we're telling the truth. <laughs> and actually, when you really read these speeches slowly, these these words that his friends have, they do come off as very wise. In fact, if I'm reading them, I'm pretty convinced as I'm reading them that this seems like really good advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some of it's even stuff you'll 
you're in church quite regularly. <laughs> I've, I've heard people quote these things more than once. Us, and yeah. I go, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> We're saying that. <laughs> yep. All right. So then Job responds after Eliphaz basically tells him that he needs to stop arguing with them. And he said, the criminals go about their business unrestrained. And I'm convinced that there's no future for such people. I'm confident that their wickedness will ultimately catch up with them, that he's kind of comes back to this posture of trusting God yeah, at this yeah. point, that God will set things right. And a lot of people call this karma, but it's in, in our Christian faith, it's mm -hmm. way more than that. Yeah. I've, I've heard people make references to the force in Star Wars at the same thing mm -hmm. as this kind of central central cosmic good and evil force. Mm -hmm. But in, in our mindset, it's significantly more than that of Job basically saying, at this point, I need to just come back to trusting in God. And it's one of the things that really, one of the few points in here that I think when we're trying to figure out what what is good advice and what's bad advice, that's one of the places where you just come back and you say, he might be starting to get it here. Yeah. And the final um, exchange here between Bildad and Job, Bildad basically says that, kind of some pious blather, that says, oh, God's imaginally great and humans, yeah, they don't matter for nothing, they're worms, basically. Yeah, yeah. And Job responds that, all right, my friends, you've become my enemies. You've got what's coming to you. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty crazy that yeah. we view these as his close friends and maybe they were, maybe they, yeah. they weren't, we don't know. But at the end, he's kind of like, I'm done with you. And the interesting thing at the very end of the book, um, God, after God shows up to Job, he says, all your friends have spoken wrongly about me. Yes. So pretty key. Uh -huh, and that's pretty key to this, that God, this punishment isn't because of anything Job did. It's about the retribution policy. Yeah. And that's why we take that view of Satan in the last one, challenging the policy. Yep. This isn't challenging God's character, it's kind of challenging the policy, so we need to remember that. Now, even though these speeches are all kind of going a little bit different of a perspective, mm -hmm. they have a lot of a lot of common threads to them. Yep. How, how, what, what, what's kind of the uniting piece that they're all saying? They basically all said that the reason that this is happening to you, Job, is because you've sinned. Yeah, yeah. And so, there's another figure in the story. Yeah, Elihu. So he, we kind of see he's hanging out in the background during all of this. He seems to be young. Yeah. Um, he kind of lets all of the wisdom of all of the old guys, the, yep. the elders, pilot on Job, and he's sitting back observing the situation. So he comes in, and what does he say, Ryan? Well, I want to make a point first. There's a little bit of textuality going on here, because when you get to the New Testament, there's a lot of similar correlations with this figure and Timothy in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. You see those those words kind of interchange. Obviously, maybe Paul was borrowing some of this stuff, which yeah. there's Hellenistic thought in, in both things. But, yeah. but you have this younger figure that comes, and he's looking at this, and he's looking at why this happened to Job, and he puts it a little bit differently. He says that he thinks Job has been self-righteous in doing this, and that might be the cause of why all this is happening. And what's interesting about this is, is we see the first one that Matt pointed out, that in the end, God kind of reprimands them. Yeah, he doesn't but, reprimand them. Yeah, this figure doesn't get reprimanded. No. And if you've watched the video of Job's, Job's wife, she doesn't get reprimanded either. No. So you have these two figures that aren't reprimanded in the same way that the other ones are reprimanded. And some people kind of look at that as, as karma or, you know, God kind of, kind of maybe attributing to their helpmate. We've mentioned before that Job's wife might have been considered since they were married that one in the same flesh. And so possibly, you know, God would view that together. But in the terms of this uh, younger person, Elihu, that's not necessarily the case. But we do get a hint of something very similar. In Job 32, 18... We get the idea that he is filled with the Spirit. And so if he thinks that he's filled with the Spirit in this text, there's an idea that God is with him to some point. Now, I think it's important to point out that we're still 
in our human flesh when we're filled with the Spirit. And so in that same way, his his foundation is flawed, but he seems to be a lot closer than the other three were. And so it's just kind of an uh, insight to look into this, that even though God is going through our veins, we're still plagued by humanity and possibly sin at many different points. And so I'm constantly trying to work that out within my life of I want to be more spirit and less human because there seems to be a mix of those things and that comes out here in the story of Job. So in the end, when we take a look at all these speeches, we have to look at them and we say they're all flawed. There's always something wrong with them and that's kind of us in our humanity and that's why it kind of gives different perspectives of the wisest people and what they have to offer because in the end, in all of our wisdom, we're flawed. And God is sovereign and God is wise And God is looking out over all the ways of his universe. And in the end, we have to trust this relational God because his ways are higher than our ways. May God bless you.